podcast, a podcast from Wulong Talks. Hi, my name is Jason. I'm the host of the show, as you know. And as always, I'm joined by my partner in crime, the wrestling kid, aka Rich Kid. Rich Kids is in the house. Say what's up, man. What's happening, people? Good to see you. Or good to hear you. Or yeah. good for you to hear us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's good to be back, man. Um, sorry we've kept you waiting for this. Um, it's been a little while and, you know, the usual story, we've had shit to do, sorry. But we're back on the, the Bebop train um, and we've got a great episode to talk to you all about and hopefully you all have watched it as well so you'll know what we're talking about when we start talking about it. But before we even get into that, we need to discuss some big, big, big breaking news that came out um for us over here in the uk we found out about it this morning um for those of you based in america you probably would have found out about it the the evening before um and that is the news that netflix our dear friends netflix are going to be doing a live action adaptation of the greatest anime series of all time cowboy bebop listen man i mean to say we're excited probably doesn't even cut it and <laughs> i know rich kids got some thoughts on this um, <laughs> but firstly i'll, I'll just go into a, an article i found on the hollywood reporter which gives a little bit of background detail um behind the announcement um so the official article said i found it here on the hollywood reporter says that netflix is heading to space with a new group of bounty hunters that the streaming giant has handed out a 10 episode straight to series order for a live action adaptation of the famed anime entry Cowboy Bebop. The series was previously set up at Amazon Studios and landed at Netflix after the former passed on it. Now, I didn't actually know that. Um, I just assumed that it was the movie adaptation that had been floating around Hollywood for years. But hmm. um, apparently, according to the Hollywood Reporter, Amazon had um, a- an option for it as well. But obviously, they've passed on it. Hmm. Uh, based on the 1998 Japanese anime TV series from the writer Kane Kuga, uh, Cowboy Bebop has, was a worldwide phenomenon and is widely considered one of the biggest series in, in the anime genre. The live-action take tells a jazz-inspired, genre-bending story of Spike Spiegel, Jet Black, Faye Valentine, and Radical Ed, a ragtag group of bounty hunters on the run from their past as they hunt down the solar system's most dangerous criminals. The Netflix series arrives as a live-action feature take starring Keanu Reeves has been tolling in development hell at Fox for nearly a decade. I'm sure it's longer than a decade. Yeah, yeah it's much longer it's, than that. It's much longer than that, because I remember mm. hearing about it, like, pretty much... Oh, God, when the series finished in 99... Almost a year after that, wasn't it? it, it yeah. Well, well. Uh, I mean, when did Looper come out? The film with Jenny Reeves. Uh, that's at, that's at least five years ago, right? If not more. Um, Looper. Looper yeah. was. Oh, Ryan Johnson's Looper. Yeah, yeah, Ryan Johnson's Looper. Um, yeah, I think that's over five years ago for sure. Yeah. Okay, so hold on, let's have a look. So that no, I'm just trying to get like a so, so we can give the audience a bit of a time frame as well. Mm. So Looper mm. came out in 2012. My mm. matters are good. How many years is that? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're talking about six years there. So six years there, yeah. Mm. All right, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's it's, it's easily over a decade. Yeah? You're not even joking about maybe mm. even when it, when it finished because I remember them talking about the bebop show or movie before Looper came out. Mm. So yeah, and that's so that's 2006. And take into account when bebop finished. Um, 
but yeah man it's crazy look mm. you know i've just taken over sorry man continue continue <laughs> continue dear right. fellow. Right. Time, don't worry um <laughs> but no there's just like the article goes on to state a few more of the background details so it tells um who's involved um so apparently the series is going to be a co-production between netflix and tomorrow studios um mm with uh let's see who's involved here um okay so there's a couple of different showrunners um someone called andre nemec um who i don't know josh applebaum i don't know jeff pinker and scott rosenberg i do know um mm. they did a disney tv series called high fidelity um and they were behind um that series that you liked everything sucks Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I knew I recognised the name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That show, listen, guys, everyone listen, uh, out there listening, it's not Bebop related, but now it is kind of like that six degrees of separation, except it's not Kevin Bacon, it's, Ke- it's Cowboy Bebop. Go and watch the show, Everything Sucks. It's a mm-hmm. Netflix show that, yeah, just, just go and watch it. Yeah, so they're going to be involved as uh, the showrunners. Um, and... Let's see. Uh, there's a couple of people from Sunrise um, Incorporated, which is the the studio that do like that did the original um, anime mm. um, in Japan. There's a couple of people involved. Uh, Yasuo Miki Miyakawa, sorry, Yasuo Miyakawa, uh, Mayasuki Ozaki, and Shin Sasaki, um, who mm. are all executives at Sunrise. They're going to be involved. Um, uh, Christopher Yost, who wrote uh, for the Dark World and for Ragnarok. Um, is going to write the first episode. Um, and most importantly, above all of that, uh, Shinichiro Watanabe, the creator of, uh, well, co-creator of the series and who directed the original series as well, um, he's going to serve as a consultant um, on the live action take. So we don't really have a specific release date as yet for it, so I'm not sure when it actually um, is going into production. Um, but presumably it would be some point at the beginning of the year. So I guess maybe we're looking at maybe early 2020 um, for when it goes online. So I, I'm thinking something along those lines is is, is when it will happen. Um, they have made an interesting note in the article as well, which is something that um, me and you were talking about a little bit earlier on, Rich, which mm. is that um, the live-action Cowboy Bebop arrives as Netflix is making a massive push into the anime space with series including cult favorites, Neo Genesis Evangelion, and new shows Ooh. including Seven Seeds, Ultraman, Saiyan Knights of the Zodiac, and others in both the TV and film space. The streaming company has been heavily investing in, in this space as part of an ambitious push to build its subscriber base in Japan and with anime fans across the globe. So Cowboy Bebop joins the scripted roster at Tomorrow Studios that also includes TNT's take on Snowpiercer and Amazon's Hannah reboot. So there's um, quite a few, you know, as we mentioned, quite a few kind of anime titles that are due to come out via Netflix um, over the next sort of year and and two years. Um, And as I said, it it looks, as the article says, you know, they're really making a major push to kind of get into that, that, side and, and that genre um mm. and it's really interesting i mean i guess as as the article speculates you know maybe they're they're trying to appeal um to japanese audiences yeah um yeah. and also obviously traditional um uh fans of of anime here in in the west as well so 
it, it makes sense, you know, that they would be going after that market because the anime market seems to be um, one that's growing hugely at the moment. I mean, for those of you who listen to our regular Wulong Talks podcast on, um, you know, what we had a guest on in the last episode, uh, Marquita, who's a big anime fan. And, um, you know, she was talking a lot about um, how anime has kind of changed over the years and, and, and things like that. So it, it's interesting that they're really kind of pushing for this hard Netflix Um so yeah, you know we're we're gonna get blessed, people. We're gonna get a live action adaptation. But Rich, um, I know you're you're chomping at the bit, man. So, what were your <laughs> first thoughts when you heard this being announced? And are you optimistic? Are you skeptical? You know, how how do you feel about it? See, you know, I, I'm equal parts. I wouldn't say optimistic, like excited, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> jacked up. <laughs> um, I can only imagine this is what it feels like in those, you know, when you watch those films in the eighties, like um, where they, where cocaine was like the main bad drug mm. and then the bad guys would do like a big long line and be like, Whoa! And be, I feel like <laughs> invincible and, and be able to fight 10 guys and carry submachine guns. Mm. This is what that excitement feels like in hearing that I've got, uh, you know, you know there's, there's a bebop show coming out. And then I've got like the other end of it where I just have this emptiness I feel like Donnie Darko, mm. that he knows his fate. <laughs> like, like, you know, he comes back and he's just like, yeah, let me just see if I can fix stuff. But no, do I really want, do I really want to do this? Yeah, I'm just a teenager. I just want to sit in my room and, and, and just sulk. I have that type of dread inside mm. me as well after hearing that there's going to be like a, a live adaptation. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not sure if the same studios are involved. The first thing that came into my head was Death Note, live adaptation of an anime. And then I just went, Death Note. I was like, yeah, like death, death, like I wasn't a fan of the Death Note TV show, but then from when I saw the trailer for the film adaptation, anyway, I was like, I'm definitely not going to watch this. And after hearing your reviews, Jay, I was like, yeah, you know what? There, there's something about animes that just shouldn't be made because the ones that are made are like, you know, they're fantastic, they're brilliant, and they but they just can't be translated to like, you know, to live action. Mm. Um, I don't think I've ever seen like a, a good adaptation um, or maybe we have maybe but even if we have it's just that one and we can't even remember it we have mm. to be reminded somewhat um, but then at the same time like you said Jay like this is something we've, we've been waiting for for years and and guys who are listening out here you know we hope that you're following us on this journey you know of the Bebop crew but when you get to the end of this season or of this whole show I'm not going to lie to you there's going to be a small little space that's going to feel empty Mm. And we've had, me and Jason have had that emptiness ever since this show ended, which is the reason why we kind of like rewatch it all the time. And we've always wanted that continue, like, you know, like a sequel, whether it be in like animated form again, or like in like manga form. But then live action has pr been pretty much, yeah, we could do this. And after hearing people like Keanu Reeves were more involved at one point, and after seeing what he could do in The Matrix, this has been like a, you know, it's been, you know, a, one of our top wishes, but... Now I've heard it, I'm slightly scared. I'm scared they're going to mess it up, Jay. <laughs> you know? I feel like I'm, this little rant I just went on, I feel like I'm lying on the couch and you're like my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, I mean, I've, I, I went on at length last year about how much I despise that awful, awful Death Note adaptation that Netflix gave us last year. Um, you can go back and listen to the Wulong Talks podcast where we talk about that if you want to hear it, because I don't want to bring negative shit up right now. 
I want to be <laughs> happy and just enjoy this incredible news that we've got about um, this Cowboy Bebop adaptation. So I am excited. Um, same as you, I guess I'm a little bit, you know, hesitant because of what's got what's come before and, and how that's all played out and you know, you you kind of build up a, a natural skepticism for for these kind of things, but you know, at the same time, it looks like they're bringing together good people. Um, you know, there, there there seems to be good talent in, involved in the production of this. Um, it looks like Netflix are taking it very seriously, um, and I guess at this stage, that's kind of all we can hope for until we start to see you know more more concrete stuff of what they're doing with regards to, you know, the stories they're going to tell and how they're going to tell them. Because I suppose at this point, we don't know if it's going to be a straight, you know, adaptation of, of the anime series or whether they're, they're going to try and bring maybe more original storyline elements into it and, and things like mm -hmm. that. We don't, we don't really know at this point. <clears throat> so, so that all may play, you know, it's, it's part in how we receive the, the series when it comes out and how we react to it but i suppose you know at this point uh, as a fan um i'm you know i'm hyped man I'm, I'm ready to go so yeah we've been ready man we've been ready for this since <laughs> like the series ended you know what mm. i mean so so yeah we're getting what we wanted so we might as well um be happy for it while it's here so yeah listeners i mean let us know what you think uh about the um about this development i mean are you excited are you anxious are you nonplussed either way um you know let us know we'll we'll give you some uh, information about how to contact us at the end of the pod so make sure you're listening in for that but yeah let's move into um this week's episode so the episode we'll be covering is session eight and it's called waltz for venus um now the previous episode that we had was um i think fair to say a bit of a filler in episode um which i think we kind of all agreed was a, a bit of a filler in episode um this one in a way you could kind of argue is as well um in the sense that it doesn't do much to kind of further um you know the wider story elements that that we've discussed in some of the other um episodes that we've talked about previously um but at the same time i felt like this one was a little bit more fun than the last one um i, I don't know what, what do you think rich i mean did you find this one a bit more I said fun i guess oh yeah no definitely episode. yeah no yeah. Th 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 this is this seems like quite high in spirits mm. even though it has it has moments where it's like it, it can get a bit dark but you know which is something that we always say about the bebop episodes like you know if it, it flips from one to another but the majority of this episode is yeah it's, it's like really really light-hearted and it's almost it's almost like a day in a life mm. where you, it's almost like at some point when they have nothing to do like we feel like we have nothing to do because the majority of the episodes there's always been something to do and that kind of that kind of like lends itself to like to like the lightheartedness of, of this episode as well mm. um and it's quite character driven i've uh you, you've i mean you kind of get some ex some characters explained a bit more and it's almost like like by you know by you know, by spoon feeding us Mm. because of the way how it happens but then it's at the same time because it's so well written and because the story is so good you know you, you just kind of just like you just go with it and, and you don't really judge it too harshly because it, everything just works but um but yeah I, I love the tone of this episode especially after the last one man this, this is a nice breath of fresh air mm. Mm. for sure for sure so um this episode uh 
starts off really really well it's a really kind of exciting opening there's a bit of a cold opening really in a sense that um it opens almost immediately uh into an action scene really where uh basically there you see this commercial um space flight um that's heading towards venus um and the, the ship actually looks like an airplane and you know the inside of it kind of looks like a, an airplane so if you can imagine um you know for those of you who've flown and been on airplanes um if you can imagine what the inside of that looks like then that's basically what this ship looks like and so basically interstellar travel is 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 the equivalent of getting on a Ryanair flight somewhere. Well, hopefully it's not the equivalent of getting on a Ryanair somewhere because if it is, mm -hmm. then boy, <laughs> your baggage isn't going to make it to Venus. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> yeah, and they'll probably charge you to use the toilet and whatnot. But anyway, um, so yeah, they're on a commercial flight um, that's going to, to uh, Venus or all of these passengers. Um, and we find out that uh, Spike and Faye are also on this flight as well. Um, and the reason that they're there is because they're trying to capture um, some hijackers, some people who, who basically have a, a career criminals and who make a career out of hijacking um, commercial space flights. Um, the criminals are, are called Huey, Louie and Dewey. Boom, boom. Um, so, yeah. So I'm sure you'll all get that reference, but we'll, we'll go through all of that later. Um, and then there's a really funny scene where... Um, I believe it's one of the hijackers says something to Spike. I, I can't remember what he said. What did he say, Rich, to um, Spike? Was that the bit when we basically mean when Spike is sleeping? Yeah, yeah. He, he's just running his mouth. Yeah, like he, he, I think he clearly like, doesn't know who he's talking. Who's talking to? <laughs> yeah, and I, I get the. the uh, correct me if I'm wrong again, because I may be making this up because I only saw the episode again like two weeks ago, so it's not quite mm. fresh, fresh in the memory. But um, didn't Spike have like? Um, uh, forgotten what they're called now, but the things you put over your eyes to sleep. Oh, when you're sleeping, yeah, he's wearing um, that. Yeah, yeah. And didn't he draw eyes on his? Yeah. So it looks like his <laughs> eyes. <laughs> so, so yeah, listeners, he's got. Um, again, sorry, the word escapes me, but you know what? What I'm talking about the the kind of thing you wear on on an airline if you want to sleep um, during the day. Um, Spike has got these over his eyes, and he's drawn eyes onto the the outside of it, so it looks kind of like his eyes are open. Um, and this person is is basically shouting, you know, um, one of these terrorists is shouting at him to, you know, to, um, I can't remember what it is now, whether it's to put his hands up or, or something like that, but basically to be compliant. Um, and Spike is, is obviously not moving or responding because he's fast asleep at this point. Um, and the hijacker is just kind of um, really going at it. Um, and then the hijacker comes in close to try and uh, accost spike spike gets up and gives him like a headbutt in the chin um <laughs> without even trying really and knocks this guy out and then pulls like his um his like blind things up and is like what, what's going on um and then you as said you get this really cool action sequence where um spike and faye take out um the remaining terrorists and um, Faye has like this kind of stun gun thing that she uses um, to knock somebody out as well, which is really, which is pretty cool. Oh no, sorry, it's a it's like a um, it's a perfume, isn't it? So she sprays like the yeah. the perfume and and it knocks out um, 
it, it knocks out one of the terrorists, which was which was pretty cool and pretty fun as well. Um, and I like that scene in in terms of the way that it's put together. Like the fight scenes are, are just so well put together. We've said this many times so far since um, in the the podcast series so far, but it really is amazing to watch. Like kind of how they they've um, the artists and the animators have managed to to render these things well um, together. One thing I, I I do need to look into is is whether they used um life models for the fight scenes um because it, it just seems like the the accuracy of the intricacies of their movements are, are captured so well in these sequences that maybe they had um you know people um life models that that they drew um uh you know stills of and and, and models of while performing I, I don't know if that's true but um it's something worth looking up i think mm. but um yeah, that scene plays out brilliantly. Um, and as I said, they, Spike and Faye do manage to capture this bounty. And they actually um, make some money for a chain. Mm, mm. So they get paid like 1.5 million wulongs, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and then doesn't Faye run off to the casino immediately with her half of the money? Well, number um, one, you've, you've asked me. And number two, mm. to all you listeners out there, if you've been watching this show, which you should have, you know she's run to the casino. <laughs> that's rhetorical from jason we know where she goes <laughs> yeah that's true that's true that was a silly question you know faye, <laughs> faye loves a casino boy so yeah so faye i think has run off with her, her money and, and gone um now it turns out sorry i'm just taking a swig of water listeners um it turns out that on this same flight that Sp uh, Spike and, and Faye had been on was uh, another passenger who um, seemed to be kind of carrying something around with them. And we find out that the passenger's name is Rocco, Rocco Bonaro. Yeah. Um, although it's weird because I, I don't know if you found this in your dub, but in 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 my dub, they kept calling him Rocco. Okay. Um, uh which was really weird because <laughs> i was like it's yeah. just rocco like surely yeah. americans have no people called rocco like that's just how you say the name rocco like why are you calling rocco. him rocco americans call tomatoes tomatoes ah uh, yeah true, true. And, they, and they have trump as a president so i mean like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah americans why are you changing up the language for man <laughs> there's no need but um yeah, so uh, Rocco is also on this flight, and he seems to be carrying something that um, is obviously of some kind of importance. Um, now, this is a common theme in, in Cowboy Bebop episodes. There's usually always some character who's got some MacGuffin, some kind of... Mm. And uh, when I say a MacGuffin, what that means is it's a film term that Alfred Hitchcock came up with. Um, and it's basically his way of describing a plot device, so something that, that kind of drives the, the plot of the story forward. Um, so yeah, so Rocco clearly has, has got something that he's trying to kind of hold on to for dear life. Um, and, uh, on, as I said, uh, when he, he kind of comes off the flight and he sees Spike again, um, he kind of gives the, the customer service person that he's talking to at the airport, um, a load of jip and then runs off to, to try and chase down Spike. Um, he tries to to kind of knock Spike over, but then Spike kind of moves to the side and he just falls over his own feet, which is, is kind of funny. Um, and then when he gets up, um, you know, Rocco kind of explains that uh, basically he saw how Sp Spike took out the terrorists and he wants um, 
you know, some kind of guidance from Spike. He, he basically wants to become a, a martial arts pupil of Spike um, because of how well Spike fights. And um, he does like some kind of, I don't know what it was like. He just was making a whole heap of noise and going, Whoa! it's like, look, I could, I could fight too, Spike. Whoa! And it was just the weirdest kind of thing I'd ever seen. It was just hilarious as well um, because it's so funny because basically he's terrible at martial arts. Isn't it? Um and Spike is is kind of like, oh my god, like not this. Like <laughs> you could see Spike just really would rather be anywhere but having to talk to this guy at this particular point in time. Um, but Spike eventually kind of gives in because Rocco keeps badgering him and badgering him. So he's like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll teach you some stuff outside. Um, now I love this bit outside, and it's a very important bit. Um, for explaining a lot about Spike's philosophy and also the philosophy of somebody who um, would have posthumously celebrated their birthday this week as well. So, Rich, I'm going to hand it over to you. Um, so if you can just like kind of describe what happens next and, and the importance of it to the listeners as well. Okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this scene and then I'll mm. basically I'll, I'll give a little bit of a comment on what you said about the live action for the action in the... Uh, at the beginning of the episode mm. but um basically i mean anybody that's been watching this has has noticed well i mean anybody who, who pays a keen eye to animation and to and maybe a lover of martial arts has noticed that this like everything in bebop has a purpose and it's all been written in a particular way so for example if you pretty much see this character as purple give or take this this character is going to be purple nothing's going to pop up and try and you know just be made up just for the sake of an episode so one of the things about Spike is that Spike participates in a martial arts called Jeet called, called Jeet Kune Do, uh, and it's kind of like a constant. Like you, you see the way how he when he when he fights his stances, the way how he throws a punch, throws a kick, and the way how he maneuvers um, uh, like a boxer. But then he fights uh, you know with the legs of a kickboxer, and then throws punches with the hands of like a, a traditional boxer or some Wing Chun. Um, and basically, I mean, the, the, the great martial, well, the martial art of Jeet Kune Do was created by the late, great Master Bruce Lee, who actually passed away this year, um, uh, what, it was 78 years ago now? Mm. Yes, yeah, he passed away 78 years ago on November the 27th. So that was, what, yesterday. And um, he basically created his own martial art. And, uh, I know, had sorry, a, he would have been 78 this year. He didn't pass away 78 years ago. He, he would have been 78. Oh, yeah, it would have been 78. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Apologies to any Bruce Lee listeners out there because I know you guys are as bad as the beehive on Twitter. So, yes. And yeah, basically, his philosophy he had a, um, he decided to approach a much more Zen like uh, attitude to martial arts, which he felt had basically kind of been lost where, you know, certain traditions or certain styles were being brought to the West and they were obviously just being used to to create money and he basically created his own style and uh and said you know and took the philosophy of um you are the best that you can be and you should be able to adapt to anything and and spike basically gives Rocco this whole speech about how you can be water uh, and how you should be you know you shouldn't really have to be tensed up you should be able to flow and adapt to anything uh, whether it be in life uh, whether it be in fighting which is basically the philosophy of, of bruce lee and if you speak to a lot of martial artists now, that, that's, you know, there's, there's quite a, an adaptability to how they, they deal with things. You know, they're, they're not violent people. They're quite patient, um, you know, and they just live day from, life from day to day. Uh, one of our 
um, friends who's actually been in one um, Wulong talks before, Emmanuel, like, I mean, he may kill me for saying this, but I, I believe he has a very, very similar approach to life. And it is through his martial arts and, and other styles of movement that he does. But, um, but yeah, but this whole thing where Spike has just given a speech to, to Rocco and he basically teaches Rocco how to do, how to, you know, well, use him as, uses him as a dummy to, to do, actually do the, the move, which is basically like, like a, I think it's like an overhand throw. So when someone tries to attack you with a knife, you use their own momentum and weight against them. And you basically, you know, flip them over and they land on their back. But then as Spike is explaining us to the reason why this move works and why the martial art that he uses works, it's almost like he's describing himself and how he himself treats life in general. I don't know if you got that, Jay. Did, did you get that when he was giving that speech to Rocco? Mm, yeah, I did, yeah. And it's almost like when Spike meets Rocco, as much as he's like a grumpy old man, and Spike isn't even that old, Spike is 27, and Rocco looks like he could be like a couple of years younger, there is almost like a... I, I see, it's almost like Spike sees this innocence in Rocco, and he, he generally believes that he's not, a, he's not a bad guy. Otherwise, he would have kicked his ass a long time ago. But in seeing this goodness in him, it almost gives Spike a little bit of happiness, which we haven't seen in quite some time. I don't know if you'd agree with that as well, Jay. Mm, mm. Like, like, as much as he doesn't want to help Rocco first, when he does take him on, it's almost like, you know, no, this, is, this is something different to my life, you know? This is, you know, this is, this is nice. That's, that's, that's what I felt when I, when I had them, um, when Spike was basically giving that martial arts um, to, um, demonstration and also describing uh, basically how Rocco should fight and should treat martial arts. It was, it was just, to me, it was just him just describing how he lives his life since mm. he left the Red Dragon syndicate. Mm. And also, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that he, he pretty much kind of paraphrases a, a very famous Bruce Lee quotation um, from that interview that, that Bruce Lee did. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, I've forgotten what channel it was that Bruce Lee was being interviewed on i can't remember now but um it's where bruce lee kind of explains his his philosophy behind um jeet Kune Do and the idea that it's it's fluid like water and that water can take on you know many forms it can be harsh it can be gentle it can give life it can take life away um you know so that be more be water my friend is 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 um you know the the famous line that bruce mm. lee says when um he's describing you know how to he believes people should live their lives. Um, and I think, yeah, as I said, Spike pretty much kind of, I, know, I don't think it's word for word uh, quote, but he certainly paraphrases um, a lot of that when he's explaining to Rocco about, um, you know, his view on, on martial arts. And then as Rich said, you know, it, it, it kind of gives you an insight into Spike as well, into how he kind of views his life. And it explains a bit of, of why um, he has almost this kind of melancholic um attitude towards certain scenarios that he's presented with um you know he, he he doesn't seem to kind of react in the way that a typical person would normally react in in certain situations that they're put in um so yeah said so that the scene itself even though it's it's played for a, a bit of fun in in sense that you know it's spike trying to show rocco uh martial arts there's actually a lot more going on in the scene and and it's you know moments like that that remind you just how genius this this show is and how genius the writers were of this show and how they you know how brilliant they were explaining such important parts of of character storylines and important things that they were trying to say 
um, in such simple terms and doing it in such a fun way as well. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, as Rich said, you know, they, they go outside of, of the airport and, and um, Spike is trying to teach Rocco these moves and Rocco's not quite getting it really. Um, and then uh, a couple of bad guys show up and um, Rocco panics and he runs off. But before he leaves, he he gives Spike uh, the package to hold on to um, and he arranges to meet Spike uh, the next day. Now, we go back to the bebop at this point. Um, and Jet is complaining to uh, Spike about Faye heading off to the casino and, and doing whatever she's doing, and as he usually does. Like at this point, as I said, at this point in the story, um, listeners, you got to consider Jet like you know Mama Bear of, of the the Bebop. So um, you know he is just kind of whinging and <laughs> doing what he usually does um, and caring a hell of a lot. To be fair, that, that that's what it is with, with Jet. It's partly kind of grumpy old man, but partly because he obviously cares a great deal about the crew. Um, you know, that that's his family. So he he's, you know, having a whinge about Faye running off and, and um, not bothering to uh, check in with, with base and things like that. Um, and whilst they're, they're doing that, he's been researching the, the next bounty. Um, and the next bounty turns out to be a, a guy called Picaro Calvino, um, who has his own crew. Um, he's a gangster um, and his crew have stolen this plant, which is called Grey Ash. Um, now, the plant itself will actually play a role later on in, in the story. So I said this is, you know, the episode of MacGuffin. This is the, the thing that kind of drives the story on. Um, and uh, Jet kind of realizes that the plant is worth quite a lot of Wulongs and is used in, in kind of medicine. Um, it's used to cure a specific disease, in fact, um, something called venous sickness. Um, uh, one of the symptoms of venous sickness is, is blindness. So people actually lose their sight um, when they, they contract this condition, when they've been on Venus. Um, Faye, by the way, returns at this point, um, and she's kind of being Faye is like, yeah, let's sell it and try and make some money, um, <laughs> which Jet is not having any of. Um, so instead, they um, they decide they're going to try and find uh, Picaro Calvino. Um, and Spike also leaves at this point as well. He heads off um, into the desert, which is where he'd uh, planned to meet um, with Rocco earlier in the episode. Um, and then they, when Spike actually gets to, to Venus, um, he lands there and he's searching around uh, this kind of, I guess it's like an old spaceship, um, a disused shuttle or something like that, I think, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah something like that. Um, and while he's kind of investigating it, this woman comes out from the shadows and, and holds a gun at him. Um, and then we get the, the traditional episode break. Um, and at that point, I mean, like we... Because I, I think I should probably mention that this is probably the first time in the series that we've actually gone to Venus. Um, and I love visually kind of what they've done with Venus in the, the series because it's it's got a number of different influences, it to me anyway, to you know my untrained eye. Um, it looks a lot like uh, parts of North Africa. Um, anybody who's listening who's been to you know places like Morocco or Tunisia, um, or Egypt, it, it it has that same kind of feel in that it's um, there's a lot of desert landscape around, but there's lush green areas as well. Um, 
the buildings you know they've styled it seems to me like they've styled a lot of the buildings in venus around um the kind of architecture that you would find in in that part of africa um quite commonly and the streets are very narrow narrow and all cobbled and all ancient and i just love that because you know for me partly i'm i'm a i'm a bit of a history geek listeners and i love um kind of exploring you know old areas like that and and seeing that in the episode it just took me straight back to that part of the world and, and being there and, and seeing those um those parts of it you know so that i really loved that I, I thought was a really really nice touch um after that now we we get back from the episode break um uh spike kind of holds up his hands and and says to the woman look i'm not a criminal um but the woman kind of sort of stumbles and and falls over and spike catches her um he explains that he's looking for rocco and and the woman immediately becomes happy and and she explains that um she's rocco's sister called stella um spike finds out that she's got the venus sickness and she's gone completely blind um during that that kind of scene, they they kind of sit at um at a wall and they're drinking like tea from um from North African tea glasses. Uh, for those of you that don't know what they're like, they um they kind of come from um that part of the world and they they're very small. If you think of a teacup, um it's about you know maybe half the size of of a mug or something like that, and it's all made of glass. Um, it usually has an ornate handle and then maybe a strip of metal um, towards the middle. Um, and usually that's what you have your your traditional tea in, which is usually quite sweet um, and sometimes is flavored as well. Like sometimes, uh, I mean, anybody who's been to Turkey or, or somewhere like that um, and you've had Turkish tea, Turkish tea is very similar. Um, same type of thing and served in the same kind of way as well. So that's what they're, they're drinking at the time. And I'm sorry if these are silly little details, but I, I just love all this kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, they're, they're sharing a tea um, and then Spike is uh, conversing with Stella and then obviously discovers about her condition and things like that. And um, it turns out that the, the plant that they um, have their hands on that the spike has his hands on the uh, gray ash plant um has seeds inside it which as said can be used to cure um venus sickness so rocco had actually stolen this plant from the gangsters in order to get it for his sister so he could you know cure her blindness uh, blindness and things like that um now there's quite a funny scene as well in the bathroom although it's a bit it's funny, but it's kind of a bit dark. Um, so I'll let Rich kind of explain it. But Rich, I'm thinking of when Rocco um, gets caught out in the, the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, well, the thing is, it kind of reminds like this is one of the things that I've noticed in this episode and how there's almost like some the, the, phys, the physical parts of this of this episode are quite funny. Um, so like, I, I mean, like, so for, like, it's almost like a comedy of errors. So at the beginning, when you're talking about when Spike is sleeping, and a guy tries to attack him and he stands up and he headbutts him and it almost looks like an accident. And then basically like, you know, the, then at the one point he goes to stretch out his arms as if he's yawning and then he punches the two guys mm. by accident. And then you've got the whole clumsiness of like Rocco when he's trying to do the martial arts. Um, and then basically, you know, then you've got this part of the episode where, um, I mean, like Rocco's literally just in the toilet, just peeing. And he's there just, you know, just living his best life. He, you know, he may have been holding it for like an hour or something. I don't know. Um, and he just, and he turns to his left and he basically sees the guys that are after him or at least one of them. 
And it's one of those things where it's like, he looks and it doesn't even clock on at first. He's just, just weird. And, and he just stares at him. And there's just this shock in his face. And then it kind of like shows this um, over his shoulder um, shot. But he's staring into the camera and behind him, you see two other guys from the gang come out. And then he hears their voices and he's just like, oh shit. You could just see in his face. Like, oh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right now, he doesn't want to be peeing. He wants to be doing the other thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then coming in through the entrance are two other members of the group. And they basically just tell him, be like, hey, boss, I can't find this guy anywhere. And Rocco just stands there, like, oh, hey, guys. And then the next <laughs> scene is basically them just, you know, just interrogating him. But it's, it's the comedic timing mm. in the scene is actually quite, if you think about it, like these guys are looking to kill him, if anything. But in how he gets caught, it's, it's it's just like I said, it reminds me a bit of like comedy of errors mm. where you know you've just got something just belatedly happening in front of you and nobody's aware of it apart from one person and that's your insight into the joke and it's like i said like this show is just so well written mm-hmm. and then actually after the um uh the the scene that richard describes as as he said there's the torture sequence and again um you know, we hammer this home probably every episode of this podcast that we do. But mm. seriously, listeners, like this is a show that will give you humor one minute and then give you bad shit the next. Because mm. literally immediately afterwards, he's getting beaten up like to all hell by these guys. Um, I think the boss even burns him with a cigar or something like that mm. in his face. Yes. And it's like, oh, yes. man, like that's kind of, you know, like it's kind of crazy how the the it will veer so quickly between comedy and violence in, in the show, but, um, but it never kind of jars that that's, you know, one of the skills that they have with, with this series. And it's one of the things they've done so well is that it, you know, it never feels jarring. It doesn't feel like that, that was just a weird left turn to take. It feels almost like life. Cause as you said, you know, there's these comedy of errors that occur, where there's some fun in it, but you know, things can take a dark turn at any time. Um, and that's precisely what happens in this case. Um, so, you know, the, uh, Salvino's gang are, are torturing Rocco and, um, trying to force him to tell them where he's, he's stashed this gray ash plant that they've stolen. Um, and eventually, uh, after they threaten to attack his sister, he, he agrees to kind of lead them to, to the plant and, and basically to spike. So at this point, um, whilst uh, Rocco is doing that, Faye um, makes it to the the meeting place in in her retail. Um, no, sorry, the, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. She goes to try and track down Spike. Um, she gets a lead uh, as to where the gang are. She goes to try and find the gang, but then she finds out um, that the lead is no good. Um, and then she manages to to get in touch with Spike and and, and heads off to to try and join him. Um, Jet also kind of uh, is out there as well and and, and heads off with her. Um, at this point, Rocco manages to lead um, the gang towards Spike. Um, a big fight breaks out. Um, there's a massive shootout, which is done like really, really well again <laughs> with Cowboy B, but they just always manage to do these things so well. Um, mm. the, and, and the shootout is just, you know, it's, it's pitch perfect in terms of the way that it's staged, it's drawn, it's written, everything. Um, and then during the shootout, there's, <laughs> there's this brilliant moment where um, one of the gang members comes out to confront Rocco and, <laughs> 
and Rocco, bless his heart, um, tries to put Spike's training into practice and actually manages to use Spike's kind of fluid style to evade this goon and, and to knock him on the ground. Um, and then Rocco says, Spike, I did it. I did it. Look, Spike. Um, like a kind of, <laughs> I don't know, like a, like, like a 12 year old kid who's just really impressed with like their macaroni picture that they did or something. And they're just <laughs> like, look, look, look at me. Look, look what I did. Look what I did. Um, you know, so Rocco's really pleased as punch with himself that he's managed to pull off this maneuver and Spike kind of gives him a, a thumbs up as if to say, yeah, well done. And it's like, yeah, but you're in the middle of a shootout, mate. This probably isn't the time to be doing this. Um, and then next thing you know, Rocco gets shot. And it's like, I kind of forgot that that happens. I don't know why I'd, I'd forgotten, but I forgot. And when it did, it kind of hurt me a little bit. I was like, oh, shit. Like... <laughs> Rocco's just got shot, man. Like, you know, he was trying to get the plant to, to help his sister. Like, this is bad, man. This is bad, you know? Oh. And um, I don't know how you felt. I mean, how did, how did you feel about it when, when he got shot? Well, the thing is, it's like, like you said, like he, he, he basically does the move that, that, that's got him to, you know, wanting to follow Spike and, and Spike become his master. And then you've got that whole thing where he sound like a five-year-old kid. Um. But it's when the shot comes, like if you watch it, if you, I'm literally watching it now with like with no volume, it's the look in his face because mm. he's got this big smile in his face, and then the bullet just goes and goes through the back and out the front, and it's the lifelessness or like the shock mm. to his body that eyes. That the animation on this show is actually just sometimes is, is too much on point. But yeah, but the same thing, like it it, it makes it, it does it makes you sad. It gets you in the feels, mm. um, especially because you know, like like you said, like. There's a, there's a happiness that Spike has in this episode that you don't really get in the other episodes. Like, you know, even like, you know, when he, when he puts his thumbs up and he, you know, he's smiling, like, yeah, like, well done. There's, there's just something about it where these two people are just completely happy in the middle of a freaking gunfight. You mm. know, it's just, it's like there was some form of like fate or destiny that they're meant, that they're meant to meet. Um, and also that bit when he, because the where they're fighting actually reminds me a bit of a Colise it reminds me a bit of a Colosseum. Yes, uh, yeah, it does. I don't know what it reminds me of. Um, the end of Enter the Dragon, mm. where they end up mm. basically end up having the two battles between the good, um, you know, the good ninjas or the good martial artists versus the bad martial artists. And then at the end, when the battle is actually done, and Jim Roper, played by Jim Saxon, looks at Bruce Lee, and nods his head, and Bruce Lee sticks his thumb up, mm. and that's how the how the film ends and it's something that about that scene that just reminds me of that yeah just 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 reminds me of like you know this common theme once again of like bruce lee being a mentor to spike without obviously throwing that out there like obviously they never met but he follows the philosophies of you know of, of bruce lee as, as a as a personality and then you've got you know a, a scene which kind of reminds you of like what one of the basically the film that made bruce lee uh, a worldwide superstar, you know, mm. in Enter the Dragon. So it's just those similarities, and but yeah, like you know, it's that scene. It's it's just it's heart tugging, man. Like it, mm. it really pulls the strings. Mm. Like you said, it, it gets you in the feels. But I mean, as listen, listeners, as as you know by now, man. Like as Richard keeps saying, he said it from day one on when we started this podcast. And he said it ever since, like, <laughs> don't let your guard down with Cowboy Bebop, because just when you think, like, everything is going to be okay, and it's going to be jolly, and everything's going to be fine, 
they'll pull the rug out from underneath you um and they'll make you <laughs> you know make you feel some feels so yeah man like that don't ever let your guard down so Rocco gets hit in the back um as, as Rich said and um he falls down and, and you you hit the nail on the head Rich it's it's the shock on his face yeah, yeah. shot that that makes it that, that that that's what gets to you because you know one minute he's over the moon at his achievement and the next minute it's almost like he's saying no I can't you know I can't die now like you know i've just had my my greatest moment I'd like how can i die you know um and yeah it just it, it, it said it really does kind of hit you so all credit due to the animators for that one um anyway so the fight continues um and then faye arrives on the scene with the red tail um she just starts wetting up everybody well, as faye does um, and it's brilliant because she just blows the shit out of all of the bad guys pretty much. Um, and um, Spike tries to go over to Rocco to try and save him, but he realizes he he can't really do anything. Um, although Rocco has that, that line at the end just before he dies as well, where he says, you know, I wonder if we'd met each other, you know, under different circumstances, would we have been friends? Mm -hmm. Um and I don't think Spike answers him, but you can kind of see by the look on Spike's face, he, he would have said yes, you know, or it, the answer would have been yes, um, mm. that they would have done. Because um, as you said, uh, Rich, you know, in this whole episode, this is the only time, certainly so far, that we've really seen Spike happy or, or even hints at happiness that, you know, he generally doesn't show any um, happiness at all um, in the series so far. But at this point, you know, he looks kind of happy and he looks crestfallen um at Rocco dying so yeah mm. that was tough um but the crew round up um the the bad guys or, or take them out um and then after the that scene ends we we get another scene um where Spike goes to visit Stella at the hospital um who's Rocco's sister and she's about to go uh, for surgery to repair her eyesight um she kind of believes that you know it's Rocco who's arranged the operation for her, um, and that he's going to come and, and, and visit her. Um, and then you know, Spike is the one who kind of has to break the news to her that, that Rocco's not there. Um, and it's there, how, there how was sorry, it's how it's done, it's how he has to tell, yeah, her. yeah, 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 yeah. 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 really heartbreaking there man mm, mm, mm. well i think in, in that scene because she um the way that it's done is that um he really doesn't say much at all spike it's very few words that you actually yeah. hear him say it's mostly stella doing the talking um um and then you know she says oh um i think there's something wrong or something like that she says to spike um and no, no, sorry. She goes, oh, so did Rocco get himself in trouble again? And he's like, no. And then she's like, oh, is Rocco not coming back? And then Spike just kind of pulls up the chair and then comes closer to her. Um, and then she's like, can I touch your face? And then she like, starts touching his face. Um, and then from the expression on his face, she can read that, you know, something terrible has happened. Um which again is is really kind of really well done, um, really really well done by um, the animators because it's it's such an emotional scene that actually carries a lot of weight and a lot of resonance, um, and it's done really really well. Um, she asked Spike uh, what Rocco was really like, and and Spike says, you know, that she knows better than anyone that he was a terrific guy. Um, 
and yeah, that, that's kind of where it ends, really. I mean, there's there's a really um, there's a really nice shot at the end as well, where Spike um, kind of goes to a fruit stand in a square, and he buys an apple, and as he goes away and takes a bite, um, the spores that that kind of cause the the blindness to, for Stella kind of begin to fall away from the apple like snow, um, and I guess that's kind of signifying, you know, the 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 blindness leaving Stella and and her regaining her sight. Um, and that's it, really. That's where the episode kind of ends. Mm. Um, but yeah, Rich, sorry, I, I know you wanted to come in a little bit on the, um, the that final scene between Stella and Spike. So, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of how that that impacted you, did that feel like a really good conclusion to this episode and to to what it was about? Yeah, it just yeah. Once again, it's like it just throws you in a big you know on a big one eighty and just and it just makes you sad because. Once you know, I'm gonna keep on saying this. The writing on this show is perfect. When Spike first meets Stella, and Stella's telling, you know, you know, explaining to Spike how she became blind because of the Venus sickness or Venus syndrome or whatever um, I can't remember what it's called. But um, the one thing she says, she's she basically says, "I don't mind being like this, but Rocco wants me to get better." Like basically, like they've. <clears throat> They basically curved the actual sickness itself is just the, the blindness that she's suffering from. And so this whole thing where, <clears throat> you know, Spike comes in to tell her and doesn't actually say it. And she just, and she, you know, and she touches his face and she's got this whole thing where, you know, when she first meets Spike and she's like, I can tell you're a good person. That's why I'm sharing my tea with you. Like the same thing, Rocco is, you know, Rocco's, you know, Rocco's a good guy. People may say bad things about him, but I can feel it. I, I know good from bad. Um, and all Rocco wants to do is just, you know, just do this one good thing for his sister, which is basically give her, give her her sight back. And she doesn't need it. Mm. That's, that's the sad thing. That's the, that's like the, you know, the, the bittersweet symphony of this episode is that she actually doesn't need it. And I'm not saying it's her fault that, you know, that Rocco gets killed, but it's the goodness in Rocco that she can see that we kind of see in wanting to have her to have the best, you know, best thing ever. But she actually doesn't need it. But he just, but he just wants to give it the best because he's a good person. And um, and there's bits and pieces throughout this whole episode where, when Spike is kind of talking to himself, and it's almost like he's trying to remind himself that like, yeah, I, I can't be happy. Happiness isn't a thing for me. And like you know the bit when he just after he leaves um Rocco the first time, and Rocco says something about oh, I'm so happy or like you know, you know something about you know um, you've got good energy or something like that or. Um, try and keep your your spirit tight and Spike kind of mumbles himself like what like gave that up years ago and then the bit when he's talking to Stella when he first meets her and they're sharing tea and you can kind of see him like like loosening up and then he realizes that Rocco has kind of got into like bad stead with some bad guys by the way how by the way how Stella describes the situation and he kind of falls back into that mode where he's like I've met nice people but I'm going to have to go out and do bad things again. You know, like there's that bit where he's looking out the window, just staring and he's like, yeah, I, I used to be good. I used to be happy, but I think that, I think those times are past me. Hmm. And then you, know, you come to the third act of the show where, you know, the one person who he's made him, who's kind of made him feel like this in quite some time, he sees the happiness in his face and that, in, you know, that reflects back on the spike and spike feels happy. He throws a thumbs up then you get, you know, Rocco gets killed. And then come by the end of the episode when he goes to speak to Stella, it's almost like, you know, you know, it's, it's, you know what Stanley used to do with Spider-Man? 
Mm. Spider-Man had like a whole issue of just fighting just bad stuff, and he's he's fighting. You know, like you know, the whole thing. Like, oh my god, I can't defeat Scorpion, Green Goblin, and the Sandman while mm. at Mason Hospital, and I've got to be at this date with Mary Jane Watson while cheating on her with Ken Stacy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the episode, like nothing goes his way apart from that he beats everybody, but mm. he takes a few nuts and bruises, mm. and that's what you get from Spike. Where once again, this whole philosophy that he had to explain to um to Rocco about you know you need to be water you need to be formless you need to flow and you need to be ready to deal with, with whatever spike goes back into that mode hmm. from happiness and straight back into that whole thing of like well in this situation I know how I need to be because this this is you know this is what I am and um and it, and it's just sad you know like that whole bit when he's walking through like you said and you know you see like the little the little petals falling down hmm. and it's just it's it's just, you know I mean it is a running motif throughout the show that we've mentioned before, you know, like Cowboy Bebop is a show about moments between mm. people that if you don't know them, they're nothing because they're just, you know, they're, they're like leaves in the wind, like what you see at the end dropping. But if you do know them, at least that for some point, you're going to be involved in, you know, in a little adventure or like, you know, whether it's on the Venus or whether it's on, on earth. But um, it's, it's yeah, that, that, that ending scene where, where the petals drop, that just once again just tells you what this whole show is about and what this episode's about. Like people come and people go just like leaves in the wind. Mm. Yeah, man. Well said. Well said. All right, listeners. Well, let's look into um some of the background and the themes and the homages and all kinds of things going on in the episode. And there's quite a few in this one. So for this, we're gonna head over to our trusty old friend Bebopopedia. Um, this is a wiki website for all things Cowboy Bebop. So if you're a fan of Cowboy Bebop and you want to learn um, a few different things about the episodes and what goes on kind of behind the scenes and things like that, then definitely check out Bebopopedia. Okay, so um, diving straight in uh, for some of the themes and the motifs in this episode. Um, so a common one, yes, is Spike just having a very liberal view with regards to no smoking being allowed in certain places as something that spike does continuously throughout the the entire series everywhere he goes where there's no smoking he's always got a cigarette in his mouth um so yeah that's a, a constant thing that that spike does um we talked a little bit in this episode about Faye and her gambling um after collecting her share of the bounty Faye goes off to a casino to try her luck at some quick cash throughout the series Faye's gambling addiction becomes a central part of her character which it does actually mm. um so yeah that's something that's going to play out a lot later on in the series listeners so that's worth checking out as well um something I forgot to mention in the episode description actually uh the music box um, there's a music box that uh, Rocco gives to Stella, which um, she shows to Spike when they're talking. Um, and it's an old fashioned music box. So it's a, a typical kind of wind up, you know, music box. If, if you know the type, it's like the, the antique design where the top pops off and then the little ballerina comes up and then it plays a, a, a tune. Um, Apparently, this also appears in a couple of the later episodes that we're going to be looking at in um, this podcast as well. Um, so we'll have to look out for that, Rich. But yeah, apparently the music box is, is a common thing. Okay. So some of the uh, homages and references um, are that there's a Tom and Jerry parody movie that people are watching on as the in-flight movie on board uh, the, the Venus shuttle at the beginning. Um, Huey, Dewey and Louie, well, you should know who they are, but for those of you who don't, 
Um, that's the name of Donald Duck's three nephews. Um, oh. If you ever watched the Disney cartoon DuckTales, then you know who Huey Dewey and Louie are. Um, let's see what else is there. Oh, the scene where Rocco gets roughed up by Picaro and his gang bears a resemblance to a similar scenario in the neo-noir film Chinatown, in which the protagonist yeah. receives a beating and a cut on the nose by a gang leader and his henchmen in front of a chain-link fence. Um, yeah, that's that. I didn't actually think of that at the time, but yeah, that that, that makes sense. Um, the episode is highly inspired by the 1951 noir film On Dangerous Ground. Both Stella and Rocco are inspired by the main characters. Uh, inspired by the main character Rocco's death. Um, sorry, that's not a very well written sentence there. So let me break that down. Uh, yeah, because I was just reading it word for word, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense at all. Um, but basically. Uh, um, yeah, it's so it's based on this 1951 uh, film noir movie. Um, film noir kids, for those of you listening, that's like an old school movie genre um, that was very popular towards the end of the 40s and around the 50s and 60s. Um, and there's still elements of, of film noir that you see in, in modern day thrillers today as well. Um, but it was a name given by the um, cinema writers from French cinema. Um, in the 1960s to like a lot of American gangster movies and, and thrillers that came out in sort of the mid to late 50s. Um, and the reason they called it film noir is because the, the stories were quite dark, um, but also visually the, the, the films were quite dark as well. They used a lot of car shadows and, and things like that. Um, there were certain elements to, to each character that um, were pretty much kind of staples throughout the, the film noir subgenre as well. Um, Ask your parents about the Maltese Falcon. Um, that's that's probably one of the most famous examples of a of a film noir with uh, Humphrey Bogart. Again, ask your parents. <laughs> like, I got to explain him, but yeah. Um, what else is there here? So Spike's uh, description of his fighting style being like water might suggest certain forms of Chinese martial arts such as Wing Chun or Tai Chi. It's also likely a reference to a quotation by Bruce Lee, who himself practiced Wing Chun. Um, well, as Richard. Uh, quite elo eloquently explained earlier on it's actually more a reference to bruce lee's own martial art and his philosophy jeet kune do so no 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 we got that right you got that wrong <laughs> <laughs> but they've actually put the quote down here as well so um that'll be interesting so I'll, I'll just read that out for you listeners so the full quote from bruce lee is uh, you must be shapeless formless like water when you pour water in a cup it becomes the cup when you pour water in a bottle, it becomes the bottle. When you pour water in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Water can drip and it can crash. Become like water, my friend. Uh, and lastly, some of the trivia. So, um, ah, yes, yeah, so, so they pointed this out as well. So where I was babbling on earlier about um, kind of some of the, the North African style um, to the architecture on Venus, um, in the trivia section here on Bebopopedia, they said uh, Middle Eastern based architecture, dress and written language appear throughout the scenery of Venus alongside the bazaar where Turkish store names are seen. In the 14th minute of the session, the skyline of Venus is also shown with the architectural copy of the Sultan Ahmed Mosque of Istanbul, Turkey. All these details suggest that Venus was has substantial Arab and Turkish populations um which yeah yeah that makes sense actually because I, I don't remember like looking at the the background people so much but um i do remember that skyline shot and and actually yeah it does make sense that it would be based on 
um, that Turkish mosque. Listeners, you 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 know what the mosque is. I mean, if you imagine Turkey and you imagine Istanbul, then the first thing that pops into your head will be that mosque. Um, it, it's one of those kind of world famous things. It's like Big Ben, you know, it's, yeah, it's world yeah. famous. So um as, as said you you can imagine in your mind's eye what that is if not you can always google it but um yeah basically if you look at venus it, it looks pretty much like like that really um interestingly in another watanabe anime samurai shampoo a, a similar story is told in the series seventh episode surrounded on all sides a young man is forced to commit crimes in order to pay for a treatment that will heal his ill mother just like rocco however he ends up being killed leaving the ultimate fate of his relative unknown so we had actually kind of talked about this when we watched this and um Rich, you remembered that this was very similar to the, the episode from Samurai Champloo, which, okay. for those of you that don't know, is another terrific anime from Shinichiro Watanabe um, that we're hoping to do a podcast on once we get through Cowboy Bebop. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, it seems you're right, Rich. Uh, so it's um, it's more or less the same, really, as, as, as that episode from um, Champloo. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting um and that is it really for the trivia and all of that um so we pretty much covered that there so that uh hopefully gives you a bit of background behind the episode um for those of you who haven't seen it yet um hopefully you can go back and, and watch it with a, a few more of these things in your head and um it'll give you a more informed picture of, of kind of what you're seeing um but yeah overall as as we said at you know the, the the top this is um a pretty good episode it's a fun episode and yet as said with cowboy bebop it has so many dark moments within it um and still manages to be fun um you know that that's kind of what makes this show so amazing is that it manages to be fun and engaging and exciting with this kind of undercurrent of depression running just underneath it that is going to poke its head up at any moment you know um and i think that's what makes the series so enduring and and you know so beloved by the, the fans really and hopefully if the live action adaptation that they're planning manages to capture you know even half of this then then they're doing the right thing really and they're going in the right direction but um rich do you have any final thoughts on this episode Oh, like I said, like, just just like is like is a is a is a one of my favorite episodes, and uh, and uh, you did mention uh, Samurai Champloo, uh, saying that we might do it. No, listeners, when Bebop is done, Samurai Champloo is next. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like yeah, this episode is is another fun episode, even though it's got its sad moments in it. But um, you know, like we keep on saying, like a uh, Cowboy Bebop, each episode is just that that keen reminder that you know life is life and you know, shit happens you know there's a reason why they say see you say see you space cowboy at the end of it because you know you said it to someone if you're not sure if you are going to see them and if you are going to see them then you know something at least something's going to happen so mm. yeah yeah i love this episode yeah definitely man definitely um well listeners have said you know you can let us know how um you got on with the episode and you can get in touch with us we have a a facebook page um 
that we're not doing a great job of updating to be honest um but i am going to be doing some more stuff with the facebook and our instagram as well um if you want to know how to follow us on there just look for the bebop rewatch um on both of those apps and you'll find us um as said what i'm going to do is i'm going to try and post up like some trivia bits as well as like the normal stuff because usually at the moment i'm just posting when episodes come out but um it'll be good to kind of get some more stuff up on there um so we'll try and throw up some more you know kind of trivia and and some breaking news when that's coming out surrounding bebop um we'll try and do some things with that as well so uh yeah if you want to follow us on the social medias then then go ahead and do that as said on facebook.com and on instagram at the bebop rewatch all right well um we're gonna wrap this one up but before we go um we must say a big thank you to our friend rob wade um and the guys over at emotionally14.com um this podcast is officially e14 endorsed that means we are part of the emotionally14 network and you can find loads more podcasts like this um over at emotionally14.com um and also we are part of the brit pod scene collective as well which is a, a collective of independent british podcasters um it's a lot of fun there's podcasts for just about everything that you're into so whatever you fancy you'll find it there uh, make sure you go and check those guys out as well at www.britpodscene.com um, we'll have links up in the show notes for this as well so if you check the show notes on your app then you should be able to see some links to those websites uh, make sure you go and check those guys out um but yeah that's it for us uh as said the episode has come to an end so thanks a lot for listening thanks for joining us um next week we'll be diving into session nine i believe it is and it will be the introduction of one of my favorite characters from cowboy Beat. well they're all my favorite i don't know why i say one of my favorites they're all my favorite but this is my other favorite we'll be meeting finally edward <laughs> and i cannot wait because edward just is just a ball of absolute energy energy yeah. energy energy and i love it so um yeah well, I, I can't wait for us to to get into that episode and, and to describe what happens to you guys um so yeah make sure you come back next week and we'll be definitely be diving into that one but for now i'm gonna say good night so um it's good night from me um rich say good night see you space cowboy yeah, man. And take care of yourselves out there, people. We'll see you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the BrickPod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters.